Good morning, good morning. It's a blessing to, to be here uh, with all of you. Nah, I think I'm right here. All right. Uh, uh, but yesterday, man, we had a, a, a Zoom, and uh, Pastor Campbell uh, talked to us about the church in 2020. And uh, I was so convicted, I was so inspired, uh, and it was so contagious in the sense that uh, we need to, there's work that we need to do. And so I just want to kind of share some of the notes, some things that uh, God placed in my heart. And uh, when we think about the church in 2020, uh, Pastor Campbell shared uh, the original man, right? the Great Commission. Uh, uh, Jesus told his disciples, uh, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we know that commission. We've heard it. Uh, and some of some churches even had it uh, uh, plastered and posted everywhere. And I was reminded that uh, through Pastor Campbell's message yesterday in our conversation that we've overcomplicated. We've overcomplicated the message. And so if you look at the word uh, overcomplicated, the definition says to make something more complicated than it has to be. Right? So right now, where you are in your life, uh, God has given you the great commission to go out and make disciples. And I've had the opportunity uh, to be, uh, to work at a, at a company that I watched go from the ground up. And uh, discipleship is very, very important. When you think about uh, successful businesses, when you think about, or even at the church for that matter, in order for us to thrive, in order for us to be successful, in order for us to, to move forward, we need to be poured into one another. And so in uh, the, the Bible, the second God, uh, Christ says, give us, uh, go out and make um, disciples. And so my question to you is, have you overcomplicated the gospel? Have you overcomplicated to where you yourself are not going out and making disciples because you think that you have to have it all together? You think that you have to have that degree? You think that you have to have all the finances in order? Um, but we know that God used ordinary people to make an extraordinary impact. And so for you, as a believer, as a person who has received the Great Commission, uh, I challenge you to uh, not make it as complicated as it is. Right? It's, it's not complicated at all. All we have to do is share our story. And Dr. Campbell said everybody should know how to share their story. Everybody knows what God has done for you. And I know for me specifically, uh, it was, it's always been in those moments of me just being myself that my story has resonated with others and that lives have become transformed because I'm just honest with where God has brought me from. It wasn't uh, me getting into apologetics or getting into down to uh, exegesis and eisegesis and, and breaking down those terminologies, which are good. Don't get me wrong. There's a time and a place for that. But it was a simple conversation. It was a simple uh, dialogue that I had about where God has brought me from, where he uh, has me right now, and where he's taking me. And so for if, if we can always just do that, that one thing. And the note, the note that I have for you is simplicity is the key. In order for us to move the gospel forward, we need to simplify it by sharing our story. And that is what John 3, 16. But God so loved the world that he did what? Gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. So our great commission is to go out 
and to share that, that simple message, but yet powerful message that God gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish to have eternal life. So I ask you, if you believe in Christ, if you believe in Christ, that means you have a responsibility. You have an obligation to share your faith. Because Christ himself said to you, who are listening to, to, to me, to go out and make disciples. And so I want you all to understand that we don't have to overcomplicate it. We don't have to make it more complicated than it has to be. We can simply do what God has called us to do and, is, and allow God to move in our lives. And I already shared this piece that, I, that really resonated with me yesterday. Pastor Campbell said, it's like, now Holy, you, you allow the Holy Spirit to move. And a lot of times we, he says, it's inoperative uh, of the Triune God, meaning that we don't allow God, we don't allow the Holy Spirit to move as he should through our lives. Uh, he said that he spends a lot, the Holy Spirit spends a lot of time in our lives weeping and crying because of, of us not wanting to put them in the game. And so that's like having LeBron James sitting on the bench and he's down by six points. We know we got your best player on the bench, and yet you are trying to make it happen on your own. And so as you think about uh, our lives, you think about your life, and I think about my life, uh, it's time to put the Holy Spirit in. It's time to put God in, in our lives and allow him to every single room. We've talked about this in the multiple sermons about allowing God, the Holy Spirit, to have free reign within our household. And that's every, when we say our household, that means every single door, unlocking every single door in our house. And if you like me, that means every single door. Not just the doors, not just the rooms that are clean and have everything together. It's every single room. The one that you haven't got a chance to clean up yet. Uh, let God in. Let the Holy Spirit come in. Because we keep trying to clean that room. What we don't understand is that the only one who can truly clean our room the way it ought to be cleaned is the Holy Spirit. Because there's things that you won't be, uh, won't be willing to tackle, but the Holy Spirit can. So the best thing that you can do is submit and yield to the Holy Spirit and say, I can't do it. I don't want to do it, but I need you to come in, Lord, and I need you to, uh, I need you to move forward through me. And so if we are to move the gospel forward, we are to transform this world. And we think about this message. It was 12 disciples. 12 that turned the world upside down. And we keep thinking ourselves, we've got to grow our mission, we've got to keep having bigger churches. But look at the impact. How much of a difference are we making? And we realize that when we simply bow down and allow God to use us, and we allow him to get into every single room in our, in our household, that's when the transformation takes place. So my challenge to you, and the question I have for you today, is have you overcomplicated the gospel? Have you overcomplicated the gospel message? And if you have, it's time to really live. It's time to eliminate all the dog and pony shows and allow God to meet you right where you are and say, Lord, I've I, I messed up. And, and I'll be very transparent. Many times in my life, I tried to make God look good. I said, well, I'm going to endure this situation. I'm going to endure this struggle. I'm going to go to this Bible study because that makes God look good. Even if I didn't want to be there. And I realized that my motive was wrong. And so God wants your heart. And if you give him your heart, he'll transform everything else. And so my challenge to you is to allow the Holy Spirit into your life. Simplify it. God, come in. Have your way. Have your way. And, and, and allow God to have your way. And as I'm saying this right now, there's some things right now in my life 
as Jay would say, there's some things I'm entangled with. There's some entanglement in my life that I need to allow uh, God to untangle, to detangle. So in your life right now, what are the entanglements? What are some things that are stopping you from giving yourself fully to the Holy Spirit? And I challenge you to submit to the Holy Spirit and allow God to transform your life. And the best thing you can do is, is allow him in and watch what he does. As we, we look at pastors, we look at a lot of preachers and teachers, we wonder, how do they do that? It's the guidance of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not them. And so my, my challenge to you is to uh, meet God right where you are. It's to uh, simplify your message. Share your story. Think about what you were, who you were, when Christ met you, and where you are today. And know that that blood that saved you then, that is saving you now, and will continue to save until we go to glory. So I want to just, uh, again, encourage you. I know there's a lot going on in our lives right now, uh, but our job as a church, we are the church. You and I are the church. And that means that we have an obligation and responsibility to uh, transform this world through the power of the Holy Spirit. So, I hope that you, this message encourages you, like it's encouraging me, because the law that the lesson taught is also uh, the lesson needs to be learned. And so I, I challenge you all to, to hear those words from God and apply them to your life and watch what happens. You know, I want to hear some stories that say, Pastor, you know what? I said enough is enough. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit in, and this is what happened. Because when we give way to the Holy Spirit, there's every time I've surrendered in my life, every time I've surrendered, and I stop doing it next way, is when I've seen the most transformation. It's when I've seen the ways out of no way. When I've seen the miracles. When I got out of my own way and allowed the Holy Spirit, my wife told me the other day, it'll be amazing if you just get out of your own way. <laughs> and I had to, and that, that message, that, that, those words of encouragement were for right there. Because if you just get out of your own way, God can use you. You ain't got to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. Because God's not looking for perfection. He's the only perfect one there is. He's looking for people to be honest with themselves and say, I need somebody to help me out. I need somebody to walk with me. I need somebody to encourage me. I need somebody to detangle my life. Amen. So, uh, let us bow for a word of prayer. Father God, we come to you right now just saying thank you. Yes, we thank you for today. We thank you for allowing us to be here, to be able to, to speak, to be able to, to share your word, Father God. And Lord, I ask that your word would fall on uh, soil ground, Father God. That it would fall on uh, open hearts, Father God. That it would fall on uh, open minds, Lord. That people would receive your word and allow it to go forth, Father God, to transform, to illuminate, Father God, and to eliminate the things of this world, Father God. We thank you for everything that you're doing. And Lord, we ask that you would continue to be with our pastor as he continues to labor and, and, and wrestle and pray to figure out how do we lead, how do we move forward, how do we church in 2020, Father God. Continue to be with him as only you can. We thank you for everything that you're doing. We ask you to bless our first lady as well as she continues to be the helpmate that she is, Father God. Continue to be with the with the with the beast as only you can, Father God. Comfort them, strengthen them, guide them. Lord, we ask in all these things in your mighty name. And we thank you. This is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I know what you're thinking. So where is the music? 
Where is the scripture reading? Where is the prayer of Thanksgiving? Where is Stephanie Thompson? Uh, if you know where you're at. Uh, and at 1045, if you go on this platform, Facebook, you will see uh, all of those things. Uh, we're flipping the script a little bit. We want to come uh, at 10 o'clock. We want to come with messaging. We want to, uh, because we know folks want to get on with their life. They want to do whatever they do. And so really feel it's important that we get the information to you. Uh, the systematic study, uh, uh, the words of encouragement, uh, prayers, get that to you right away. And then invite you to join us uh, in recorded fashion on uh, everything that I've just shared with you. So, so look for that at 1045. It will, it will populate. You won't have to go very far. It's hopefully, uh, hopefully that will be uh, uh, coincident with our conclusion here that we'll be able to uh, uh, take in and worship through recording uh, all of the, uh, the, the things I just shared. And again, I want to continue to thank the praise team for your hard work, for continuing to, to labor, to put together uh, via the acapella app, to, to, to put together the, the music. It's not easy. It's not easy. So, Sister Wright, Paul, Audrey, Calvin, thank you very much. I just appreciate you all. Um, but right now, it's our task to, uh, to deal with the book of Daniel. You'll recall the last time we looked at the 28th to the 33rd verse of the fourth chapter where we read of the fulfillment of King Nebuchadnezzar's disturbing dream. Okay, you'll recall that this was the second disturbing dream, or at least the second recorded dream uh, by a king. He asked for and received interpretation from Daniel, and he was admonished to turn away from his wickedness, and he didn't do it. Verse 28. All this, and again, I pray that you've got your, 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 your Bibles and your apps. Go with me. Uh, Daniel chapter 4, verse 28. Uh, all this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty. There's a lot of my's and I's in that text. Um, as I shared, God is faithful. And it's not unreasonable to think that the king had probably all but forgotten uh, the dream and the interpretation and even Daniel's admonishment. So we, we see the king, I don't say strutting himself, strutting himself, but strolling on top of the uh, of the roof of his palace and whatever whatever perch he was on he was able to to look at everything and to take it all in you know one of the the the, the prettiest views i think of a, of a city is as you cross the bay bridge heading into san francisco I've, I've seen new york i've seen chicago i've seen miami i've seen houston i've seen dallas but i think i've seen seattle and denver it's so, so you call your city but one of the most beautiful sights that i see is uh, as you cross the Bay Bridge, particularly towards dusk, and you see the lights of San Francisco and, and, and Telegraph Hill and everything, and, and it's so beautiful. And if we're honest with ourselves, if we're honest with ourselves, we might start to think with, well, uh, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, he went too far, but was he really bad out of bounds? It's like, like somebody had to build these buildings, right? Yeah, some, somebody, some architect, some engineer, somebody uh, put these things together. 
Um, you know, as they say in sports, it ain't bragging if you back it up, right? You know, so it's like, okay, I well, look, look, look at what I've done. Look at look look at all what I've done. And as Daniel said, that it's a, it, as Daniel repeated the, the, the vision, it's true that his kingdom is expansive. And Daniel said, you will become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky, and your dominion extends to dis to distant parts of the earth. That's a fact. That is true. But what's not a fact is that it happened on the basis of his the strength of his knowledge, skills, and abilities. As Daniel explained, the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Daniel said, God, Daniel said, God gives what he wants to whoever he wants, whenever he wants. Here the king said, he has built everything by his mighty power and for the glory of his majesty. But Daniel corrects his thinking by telling him, you're just a tool in God's hand. You're just a hammer. You're just a nail. You're just a two by four. Uh, one that God has chosen to use. And for 12 months, I like how one theologian unpacked this, uh, for 12 months, uh, God had to put out, I don't know, a thousand years a day, days, a thousand years a day. I understand all that. But for 12 of our, or our months, uh, that, that God had to put up with the arrogance of this king, uh, and you would think that, okay, at some point, God's, God's got to live. You know, it's like, uh, there's grace, but he's put up with the king's pride for 12 months, and indeed, there was a limit. Verse 31, even as the words were on his lips, even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what I decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Uh, the echo of the king's brag is probably still ringing in his ears. And quicker than quick, a voice from heaven spoke. And uh, he, we see here in the text, seven times uh, the second person now is used, you know, either you or yours. And why is that important? Well, it's important because God's not confused with who he was speaking to. He, 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 he is not confused. He spoke directly to the right person at the right time. The dream, the interpretation, the voice from heaven all converge, and now is the time for judgment. Verse 33. Immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from the people and ate grass like an ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. So what we can glean, as I've shared uh, before, what we can glean from the text on a basic level is God's sovereignty and his certainty. God is both sovereign and, and he is certain. Uh, but as I shared last week, a more nuanced, or, or, or if, you, if you take our study uh, a different look, uh, level, um, lets us know that things aren't over until God says they're over. This is not the end of the story. Uh, and what I encourage everyone last week is don't live in the middle of the story. 
whatever your story is. Uh, the, the king was informed, the king was warned, and now he's been transformed, but not in a good way. Um, and isn't it ironic that the king who, who thought he was so superior to everybody and everything, now he's at a subhuman level. But as bad as it is, it's not over. Now, you know, we've read ahead. We, we, we've read ahead. We know this, but let's just assume. Let's just let's, let's pretend like we didn't read ahead. Uh, but we do know that because based on what was written in the first part of chapter 4, the king is writing this uh, autobiography, uh, if you will, um, and he is telling the story as it happened to him. So we already know uh, that this can't be the end of the story because if he's clawing around and scratching around, digging for worms or whatever, acting like an animal, it's like, well, he's not in any position to, to write a story. Well, we know that there's a story being written. So we know that no matter how bad this situation is right now, he's already given it, the first part of this chapter, he's already given exaltation and praise to God. So we already know, we, if we were just reasonable in our, in, our, in our view of the story, we would know that, oh, this is going to end well, but it's not looking too good right now. So I encourage you, no matter where you're at in your story, just know that God is on the throne. God is in control. No matter how bleak it is, well, you know, I just got laid off. Well, the, the word lets us know. He's never seen the righteous forsaken or seed that he read. Uh, uh, well, well, my children, well, well, if we train them up in the way they should go, uh, they won't depart. They, 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 they may wander, but they won't depart. That's, that's, that's not an absolute, but it's, 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 a, it's, it's a truism, a biblical truism, that we do what we're supposed to do as parents. And the rest is up to God. And let God handle everything else. Um, I know, I know, I know. Whatever situation you find yourself in, whether you cause it or not, it's not over until God says it's over. So today we want to pick up at the 34th verse. We only have three verses. I promise we'll be before you long. Um, the 34th verse. And we see the conclusion of Nebuchadnezzar's situation. The eight part reads, at the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. Okay, so here we see, in English majors, we see the text switches from the second person account to that of the first person, as Nebuchadnezzar picks up telling his own story. Uh, and here, despite his condition, I, I don't know why, it's, it's just this, this really beats me out. Just, I, 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 I love these little nuanced things in, in text. Despite his condition, he had the capacity not to simply look up at the sky, uh, you know, I'm sure birds, animals, everybody does that, but the text suggests a change of heart and attitude. He was in a situation he was. See, so that's why we can't say, well, you know, I, you know, I, I need to take care of a few things and then, then I'll get right with God. Well, that day, that excuse won't work, won't, doesn't work, and that day will never come if you try and hide behind that. Uh, but, but in the absolute worst situation he was, there was a change of heart, there was a change of attitude. And without going too far on an exegetical limb, uh, it was, it's worth noting that the king wasn't so deep in his condition that he didn't have to, he didn't, he, he still had the capacity to know who he was, where he was, 
and who and where God is. Yes. And so he turns his heart, his mind, upward, heavenward, uh, uh, to, to, to the God that he was hoping to get to know, um, uh, that, he, that he, he, he obviously didn't acknowledge and bow before beforehand. Um, I know, uh, again, any parent that's prayed for a child, uh, others may have given up on, uh, or the spouse that appears to be in a hopeless situation, it's not over until it's over. It's not over. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know anybody, I don't say I don't know too many people, I don't know anybody that was in a domestic situation. I don't know one person. I, I have no, no concept, no, no relatability in terms of uh, the transformation that took place uh, in the, his life of his own doing, of his own doing. Now, now, if, if God uh, allowed the capacity for Nebuchadnezzar to recognize who and who he is, who Nebuchadnezzar was, and his condition, and then uh, on the flip side, know who God is and where God was, it's like, oh, well, then there's there's hope for that. That, that child that just doesn't seem to, to get it. There's hope for that spouse that just doesn't seem to get it. Uh, it's, it's not over until it's over. Um, and in this situation, God wasn't done with the king, and he extended opportunity to him just as was foretold. So the verse continues, uh, 34b, Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him, who lives forever. Um, he had uh, uh, right on the heels of uh, 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 his right understanding comes right praise. Right on the heels of his right understanding comes right praise. He was on the ground. He was with and acting like an animal. There was a transformation of heart and mind. And with that transformation of heart and mind, immediately, again, there's no, no, no pause in the text. This is the B part of the, the, the 34th verse. Then I praise the Most High. I honor and glorify Him who lives forever. Uh, what the king doesn't do when his sanity was restored, it was like kind of breathing a sigh of relief. What? Man, what? Glad that it's over, you know. Oh man, man, wow, what was that? Ooh, let me get this off of me. Uh, he he understood what had happened. He understood his situation. There was there was the capacity to 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 contextualize what had gone on. And now he recognizes God for who he is. Um uh, he, he had a period of time to live into his situation and reflect on what was wrong. He had a time to live into his situation and reflect on what was wrong. Let me pause here for a minute and just suggest, I believe we are at such an inflection point here now and we have a huge opportunity right now with the restricted movement we have associated with this pandemic. See, we have the opportunity to pause and reflect our lives live versus the lives we are called to live out. I'll say that again. Just like, again, 
Thankfully, I don't have feathers, I don't have claws, I'm not scratching around, running around with animals. I am I'm suggesting that this, this, this seven years, seven months, seven weeks, this, this, this period of time that has taken place was an opportunity for Nebuchadnezzar to reflect on what he was, what he had been doing, who God is, and where God is. Yes. And so, so with that time, he's, he's like, okay, let me let me hit the reset button. Let, let, let's, let's try a do-over. This, this, again, this, this pandemic, this, this situation, we, we have the opportunity, uh, be it in terms of ministry, be it in terms of relationships, be it in terms of our jobs, uh, relationships with our spouses, our kids, our, 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 our neighbor. Uh, you know, let's, well, what is life? How have I been living life? Have I just been going through the motions, uh, just marking day after day after day after day? You, you, you go to sleep, you wake up, you get cleaned up, you have a little food, you run off to work, you work eight to 10 hours, you come home, you deal with kids, you watch a little TV, you go to bed, and you start the whole day over again. 365 days of the year. Yes, Lord. See, 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 now, 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 now there's a big uh, pause button that's been hit. Uh, if not, if not, a, if not a, a complete stop, there's been a, a huge speed bump that, uh, you know, uh, it, it's like if you go down Interstate 5, they, they warn you, don't go down 5, go down 99, there's too much construction going on, and you'll be delayed. And with the construction that's going on, you have to go slow. If you're going to go from downtown to south of town, or south of town to downtown, you have to go slow. Uh, you can't keep rushing through like you were before. There's a lot of stuff going on. And that's what I'm suggesting in a ham-handed way. I'm suggesting what had gone on with Nebuchadnezzar. And the opportunity that we have right now, the opportunity you have right now to, oh, Oh, well, I, I just want this thing to be, I want it to hurry up and be done. I want it to be over. Nobody, trust me, I, well, some people do. Some, some, some have said, hey, I, I'm loving the restricted uh, movement. And for definitely, uh, I forget who said it, but somebody said, I'm, I'm a natural born introvert, so this, this kind of work, I think it was Paul Kaiser, who said that, that I'm, I'm a natural introvert, so this, you know, not, not too much skin off my nose, this, this, this works pretty good for me. Well, that, for those rare people, this has been a, a, disrupted, a disruption to what was the rhythm of life. Now, it could be a positive disruption. It depends on how we approach the situation. Um, as Pastor Campbell uh, shared it, uh, as, as uh, uh, was shared earlier, Pastor Campbell said, it's like, this is an opportunity uh, for God to speak clearly to the church. To the church. The, the, the world can't, the, the world doesn't know nor love God. That God's not speaking to them. God can, he can, he can give judgment, he can, he, and he does, he can do any types of things. But, but when he speaks in that still, small voice, he's speaking to you and me. Yes, so, so as, as things, we hit this, this speed bump, or come to a full stop, what is God saying? Are we, are we listening? Are, are we listening? Are, are we, oh, well, I, I, I know, this, this, this is what we're supposed to be, we're supposed to be, you know, the, 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 
again, I like metaphors. It's a, what's that, uh, uh, that, that app? Uh, 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 shout out to our daughter down in Southern California, Waze, W-A-Z-E. Uh, I think it's, that's how you spell it, Waze. Uh, I had to, I, I had the occasion to, to be in Southern California, uh, and she was my driver. Oh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> she was my driver, and uh, it's LA traffic. And so what she thought was a great idea would be to use Waze, and it took us off the freeway, on the city streets, Funny thing, everybody else must have ways too. And so then you're locked in gridlock in downtown LA street traffic. And it's like, what I wanted to do was find a W-A-Y-S out here. I wanted ways out of here. It's just like, this is a mess. It's like, no, no, sometimes we just need to stop. And stop trying to figure out ways out. Ways, well, let me do a workaround. Well, I know this is, we've got this pandemic, but, uh, but the, and then we miss the opportunity. I know I'm belaboring this point, but it's, 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 it must be important. We miss the opportunity uh, when God is speaking to us. Allow God to speak to us. Not, 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 well, I'm gonna pick up the, the waves app and I'm gonna get out of this, this situation as quickly as possible. Um, we have the opportunity. We have the not only the opportunity, we are required to, to be reflective in this time of is this the life God you have called me to live up until this point? Is this the life? Is, is this the life? Uh, uh, because right now, uh, I, I've heard, maybe it's anecdotal, but I have heard uh, others say, you know what, as, 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 as impactful and discomforting uh, in many ways this is. Uh, boy, it's really brought us closer. Uh, you know, as you can tell, uh, I've got a few more home-cooked meals. You know, and it's, it's, and there's no disparaging of Mrs. Big, she does a wonderful job. But but we can't go out like we used to go out. We can't get a, a takeout like we used to. Yeah. Uh, so we eat in. Well, eating in, strict movement. Uh, 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 put on a few LBs. Now, now <laughs> the corollary of that is, I need to do something uh, to compensate for that. So again, all of this is opportunity for us, if we're really paying attention, to, to, to do a do-over when it comes to the life that we've been given to live out. I shared before, uh, uh, and I share now. Uh, I take the kids away, you know, just, just take the kids away for a minute, or plug their ears. Marriage is not to give us spiritual cover to have sex and have babies. That's not what marriage is for. That's not what marriage is for. It, our lives are archetypes. They are windows to look through for the world can see. Oh, that's what a life lived in glory and honor of God is supposed to look like. Oh, that's what a marriage is supposed to look like. And we think, oh, shoot, I don't know, clock's ticking, I want to have some kids. Oh, I want to be alone when I'm old. It's a, you know, again, get puppies, you know, get just, just adopt a friend or something. That's not the reason to get into relationship. And that's why relationships suffer so much because our motives are all wrong. Our motive isn't to, I want to glorify God in everything I say and do. See, if we looked at that, then we would, then we would, we would, we would operate in a different sphere altogether. I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. Um, it need not be as, uh, the situation as glaringly obvious as Nebuchadnezzar just went through. But everything that we're experiencing can be just as spiritually crippling. 
Now let's look at the, how the king responds when given the opportunity uh, for do-over. Uh, verse 34, seeing on. Look at what he says. This is, this is, this is from a, a heretofore pagan king. Uh, his dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? Uh, remember what the king said in five, uh, before, uh, before his judgment. Is not this the great Babylon I have built as, my, as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Everything was centered on and about him. Now it's all about God. Look at it. You look at the text. He's eternal. He's without evil. He's all powerful. He's unstoppable. He's unquestionable. What's your point? Our point, my point is, our praise of God is a direct reflection of our understanding of God. Our praise of God, our appreciation of God, is a direct reflection of our understanding of God. The king went through something huge and was delivered, and he understood his deliverance had nothing to do with his knowledge, skill, or ability. He was, he was helpless to change his situation. Yes, Lord. Helpless. Yes, Helpless. Yes. And when he understood just how lost he was, yes, Lord. Uh, and uh, then that's when the, the 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 transformation as evidenced in his language came about. What's your point? When we understand just how lost we are and incapable we are of saving ourselves, then and only then. Will our praise of thanksgiving be, become transcendent and become more than just words or on key singing, but it becomes those guttural uh, uh, expressions of the heart uh, uh, that, 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 that speak to our mind, lostness. As Jesus said, the woman that, 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 that uh, uh, while she was crying, washed his feet with her tears. She was crying and with the tears of her contrition, it wetted Jesus' feet and she, she wiped his feet with, his, with her hair. She anointed his feet with perfume. She acts that way because she understood that her sin debt was huge. I, there's, I raise your hand and be honest with you, raise your hand if you would act that way. See, see, that's why it was so out of bounds when people saw her. It's like, you can't let this go on. What is, what's going on here? This is out of bounds. But the Jesus had to explain. See, her sin debt, she understood that her sin debt was huge. Yeah. Oh. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. She didn't have the capacity. She didn't have, she couldn't begin to pay the debt. Come on. Yes, Lord. And when she understood that, her behavior changed. Mm. Uh, I'm almost done. Uh, 
I really am, Diane. I really am. Verse 36. Um, at the same time that my sanity was restored, were restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of Heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. As, as the old saints would say, look at God. Just, 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 just look at God. The king looks up. His sanity is restored. He praises God. His situation is restored. Did you get that order? The king moves up. His sanity is restored. He praises God. His situation is restored. The king's perspective or view is corrected. His thinking has changed. Yes. And because his thinking has changed, he acknowledges the sovereignty of God and his situation is made right. And unless you think that his restoration of his sanity is strictly medical, the king, he, 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 he likes piles on. Uh, it's kind of like we do when we, well, I don't, I don't like buffets. You never know. <laughs> I don't like buffets. But somehow when we get to those buffet lines, we think that, oh, man, I paid my 10 bucks for it. It's on now. So, so you pile on the mound of food. And so that's what the king is doing now. He's like, man, I'm at, I'm at the spiritual hometown buffet. The hometown's out of business. I'm at the spiritual golden corral. And I've got this huge pile of, of, of praise that I want to heap on. Now, I never can ever praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven. Because everything he does is right and his ways are just. Everything he does is right and his ways are just. Yes. I am reminded, uh, as I'm closing, the Apostle James writes in the first chapter of his letter. I think it's around the 7th or 17th verse, I forget. Uh, first chapter. Every good and every perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, where there is no variation, there is no shifting of shadows. And almost as a poster, look at what the Nebuchadnezzar adds. God is more than able to humble the proud. Okay, so as I uh, uh, step aside and uh, invite you to uh, uh, listen to our, uh, our recorded uh, praise music, uh, what are we to take away from this? What are we to take this, this fourth chapter? What are, we, what are we to take away from this? An interesting story? An interrupted or paused life uh, with a happy ending? If that's uh, if that's all we get out of this, I believe we have, it's a swing and a miss, as they say in baseball. It's a swing and a miss. Okay, smarty pants, Pastor Deeks. Uh, what do you say is the central point? Two words. God is. Amen. God is. What do you mean? God is. God is everything I'm not. And more. Your homework for today. 
Sister Annie, you'll, you'll appreciate this. I love and miss you. I really do. Praying for you and your family, Tony. Um, listen to the song by James Cleveland. It's entitled, God Is. Mm-hmm. Um, and allow the words and the music to wash over you. I'll read it far. It won't be very far because you know me. Uh, God is. God is my protection. God is my all in all. God is my light in darkness. God is my joy in time of sorrow. God is my today and my tomorrow. God, my God, is my all in all. God is the joy and strength of my life. He removes all pain, misery, and strife. He promised to keep me, never to leave me. He'll never, ever come short of his word. I've got to fast and pray. Stay in that narrow way. See, so told you, you can get through it. Just listen to the, just, just, I dare you. As the kids would say, I don't know, I dare you to, to listen to God is. Put it on repeat. Listen to that song. Let the words wash over you. And you will have, I am confident, you will have a better, greater appreciation for the majesty and the sovereignty of God. In spite of me, in spite of others, in spite of, uh, in spite of stuff, God is, let's pray. Our Father, our God. Father, I just thank you for just, just being, just, just being, just, just God. Father, uh, you described yourself as that all-sufficient one that, that, that when, when Moses asked you, he asked you, who, 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 who shall I say has sent me? And uh, you let him know that I will be with you whenever and however and in whatever capacity I need to be. I just am. I will be there. Father, I thank you for being all-sufficient. I thank you for just being God all by yourself. Thank you for just being high and lifted up. Father, you you, you are above the fray, but you're in the fray. Father, you, 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 you sit high, but you do indeed look low, and you know everything that we're dealing with, all the issues of life. Father, I ask that you continue to bless and meet us as only you can. Continue to be our God. Continue to, to mold and shape us into your image. And continue to bless this community of faith we call City Church. Thank you, Father. It's in the name of your Son, our Savior Christ, we ask it all. Let every heart say, Amen. Amen.